It's not a time to draw back into old ways, but it is a time to press in, to seeing souls saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made whole by the power of the living God and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So don't allow yourself to fall into a spirit of timidity and draw back. For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a well-disciplined mind. To see and to hear and to know that which is going on by the Spirit of God. So I thank you, Lord. You open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Strengthen our hearts and grant unto us boldness that we would step out and obey the witness of the Spirit of God and work together with you for the benefit, blessing, and profit of those that you have set us in their path, that we would be that living lamp, the light shining in darkness. We thank you for that. By your anointing, Holy Spirit, minister throughout this campus tonight. Minister in the hearts of our children. Anoint the children's ministers to move and to speak even by the Spirit to situations to our children. I thank you, Lord. By your Spirit, you move amongst and in our youth, in their meeting, but beyond that. That you grant them a boldness to walk in the very plans that you have for them. That they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you have for them is for good. Not evil, it's for their future and an expectation of things to come. That they would never, with you, come to a place of hopelessness. But in trusting in you, there will be great expectation of days to come and that which you have planned for them. Full of goodness and blessing strength and glory and honor upon their generation that they might be a light, a voice, a mouthpiece in their generation to set things aright that are going wrong, to bring truth in the midst of a prevailing lie. The lies that are coming against their generation, that they would have wisdom beyond their years. That word of wisdom and knowledge would begin to rise up on the inside of them. That they would be confident that they have a voice to speak truth. So anoint their leaders to impart to them things that are necessary even today. That they can take with them and equip them to stand amongst their peers and be a light. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who agreed said? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Good evening, youth. Oh, come on now. I'm just going to make you sit down and stay if you don't give me a little bit more enthusiasm than that. Good evening, youth. (laughs) All right, we'll try it one more time. All right. Good evening, youth. All right, you can be dismissed. Give them a hand as they go. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. How y'all doing tonight? Glory to God. I just want to remind you of a couple of things that are Coming up, if you haven't gotten involved in a small group, there's some new small groups coming up, and so uh, go on to uh, the app, the church app, find small groups, and, and get involved. There's a couple of curriculums that are going on, uh, a sermon review, and, and sermon reviews are, are good to go over the things that are taught and keep meditating on those things uh, throughout the week. You know, so sometimes you can just get involved in so much that you're bouncing from this to that, and it's, it's good to get something that you can... Uh, uh, sink your teeth into, so to speak, and and meditate on and and follow the course that God is leading us in. 
And uh, uh, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, in two weeks, um, uh, Pastor Mark and Trina Hankins will be with us uh, all day long, morning and night. And so uh, bring your best enthusiasm. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Bring your best enthusiasm. Uh, praise the Lord. And don't come sitting down like this uh, on the inside, but come standing up on the inside and ready uh, to receive what the Spirit of God has for you. Uh, Pastor Mark is one of the best teachers uh, in the world on the blood of Jesus and redemption, who you are in Christ. And uh, I believe he'll impart those things. And, and who knows what the evening service will hold. We never know. It could be joy. It could be healing. It could be uh, just being impartations. But you want to come ready uh, to receive from the Holy Spirit. And then that Saturday, the 27th, um, we have corporate prayer Monday night at 7 and Saturday night at 7. But the 27th, we're having corporate prayer, uh, but we're having it with the Hankins. And so we're starting at 5 o'clock. They'll be teaching on prayer, and then we will pray. We'll have some worship. Uh, they'll teach on prayer, and then we'll all pray together and uh, uh, that direction. And so we are uh, really, I believe, endeavoring. Uh, I believe the Spirit of God uh, is endeavoring and wanting us to pick up our momentum in prayer. Amen. Not to lose our momentum, you know, and, and to understand that, you know, so often in the church, you know, when something big seems to be happening, we all get together and pray. And generally when that happens, whether we come around to October, November, and now we're all going to pray and be fervent about elections or, or we take prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year and we get intense about that. Uh, really, most of the time we're praying behind we're trying to catch up. But if we'll go ahead and pick up momentum right now, there's things that are we are uh, uh, to process about the church arising, about the church coming forward, about the church uh, being that light in the midst of darkness, about the year of the church. We can de you can declare all day long it's the year of the church, the year of the local church. But if the local church doesn't pray about what this year holds for the local church and pray it out, then we'll get to the end and say, well, I guess that was a wrong prophecy, but it wasn't. It's contingent on the church listening and allowing the Spirit of God to use her to be influential in this day and this time. And so I believe that that Saturday night uh, we'll, we'll pick up some momentum in prayer, move forward in prayer, and that will be uh, awesome. And then uh, April the 18th, um, John Grunewald will be with us in both morning services. And so uh, that will be a good time as well. You don't want to miss that. Put on, that on your calendars. Uh, those things, and then certainly between those two, we're having Easter Sunday. Praise the Lord. Resurrection Sunday. Praise the Lord. That is our day as the church. Amen. We, we celebrate it every day. We should as a believer. When we wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm saved. I thank you that I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're celebrating Easter, but we get to come together and, and really make the whole world know that Jesus is alive from the dead. And so uh, it's a great day for us to do that. If you weren't here this morning, you weren't prepared, or even if you're online, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to give. Tonight, we thank you, as Alan always says in the morning, we thank you for your generosity, all that God is doing. We're believing God with you that this 2021 will be your best year ever. Praise the Lord that God uh, blesses you in such a mighty way that uh, your debts uh, begin to be paid off. If you have a lot of them, they begin. If you don't, that all of your debts uh, get paid off. And I believe as we're coming into this time and this season, uh, God is going to have us... Uh, do what he has called us to do, and that's be generous. And so many times we're, we're uh, stifled in our generosity because of debt. And so I believe that he will, uh, if you just desire, he'll put his hand on you and uh, cause you to get out of debt. And, uh, and then he'll put some generosity in your heart. And part of what Pastor Tasha was even saying uh, today, that you can go somewhere and uh, God, by the Spirit of God, just say, you should give that person some money. And you're like, I'm in. I'm in. Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, I've said this uh, a few years back. God was dealing with me about, you know, the truth of his word. Sometimes we don't think that we have all sufficiency in all things and are able to give to every charitable don donation. And you can think that, but sometimes you just have to, the Bible says, try the spirits. 
Sometimes just put the word of God to the test. See, sometimes we think about charitable donations as being a big deal. And so, you know, that's 2 Corinthians 9, you know, uh, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one uh, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. It says, now God is able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace, right? All grace. Man, there's, there's a manifold grace of God. When it says just through your generosity, God will make all grace abound to you. That doesn't just mean grace and finances. That means all grace, all ability, all favor, all power. You know, sometimes financially, you, just, you, you don't need just more money. You need favor in a business deal. All grace, right? Something you might not deserve, God will position you in such a way that all of a sudden you didn't think there was enough, you didn't think it was coming, and all of a sudden God positions you with favor, and there's more than enough in that, posic- that particular place where he grants favor. He's able to uh, 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 cause all grace to abound towards you in, uh, so that in everything we have all sufficiency in everything we're able to give to every charitable no- donation. Amen. And then he goes on to talk about seed for the sower, bread for the eater, that he blesses us in such a way that we have generosity. Amen. And uh, I know that you're generous givers, but I, I, I don't believe God's begun to show us what he wants to do through our generosity yet. Amen. And so, you know, I went through this time just saying, you know what, God, you know, I, I, I'd love it if I had some, some, some money. Uh, you know, what, is, what does this mean to, to give to more charitable donations? And I found myself just in places, you know, uh, and I know there's lots of opportunities. Now you can drive up to any uh, uh, drive in, uh, drive up, you know, McDonald's or whatever. They'll ask you, do you want to give to this charity? Do you want to give to that charity? And at that particular point in time, you may not give to every charity. Uh, but at that particular point in time, they'd ask me and my first response would be no. And all of a sudden something on the inside would say, you got something in your pocket? And you know what? Every time that that came up, I had something in my pocket. I had something in my wallet. It might have just been a dollar. I remember I was down at the Colorado Mills Mall, and they had this circular thing uh, that you put in. It was for some youth uh, donation thing, and and you could drop change in it. And I walked just by it, and I'm about, you know, uh, 50 yards down from that. And all of a sudden on the inside, why didn't you stop and, and give to that charitable donation? And I thought, well, I don't have anything to give there. I reached in my pocket, and strangely enough, my pocket was like half full of quarters. And so I stood there for a while watching quarters go around in that thing. He was just saying, you know what? You have, I've blessed you, and you come on something charitable. Listen, you have something to give. And if we just practice that, not necessarily every time because there's a lot out there, but for me in that particular case, I was just listening, and he was showing me that you know what? You do have something. I have blessed you. I have prospered you. You have something to give. You're, you're waiting to give a million dollars. You're waiting to give something that will shake something up a little bit so, so that somebody will really notice. But he says, I'm going to start right where you're at and show you that I blessed you and you're able to be generous. Amen? Praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, you start doing that and then you start finding out. And then you start hearing, you know which some of us might be afraid of, but then you start hearing a little bit more like, you know what, why don't you give them that car? You know? Or why don't you give them that $50 bill? Why don't you give them that, that thing? But, you know, if you're not willing to, to let go of that little bit, it's tough to let go of the big bit. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you want to be generous? You want to just be able, when God says to give, to give. Amen. So he just says, you know what? We start that process, and we begin to see that going, and, and it's, it gets just so much better when you're not like, man, I hope God speaks to somebody to give me something. <laughs> Sometimes as faith people, I'm just believing that God's going to give me something. How much better to believe that you're going to be the one that he uses to give? Come on. Come on. And I know some of you are that way already, and uh, praise God, I believe it's coming on you more and more this year than ever before, you're going to see things happen. Amen? So we thank you for your generosity. I don't know if they already put this stuff up there, but you can give all those different ways. I like what Zane said. No matter what generation you're in, we have a way for you to give. And uh, uh, you can see that and, and be a part of that. And if you're giving by cash or debit or credit card and you need tax receipt for giving, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope uh, tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Your generosity creates a thanksgiving to God in every place. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Romans, the first chapter. 
Romans, the first chapter. And we're going to go to the 16th verse. We have been spending some time on uh, Sunday evenings. And we spent some time talking about redemption. And we shifted gears a little bit and, and began to talk about uh, righteousness. Uh, and I believe that it's very important that we talk about righteousness. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth said this, that uh, uh, in, in, as Christians, that uh, we need to understand righteousness and redemption if we are going to operate our life at a high level of faith. If we're going to live at a high level of faith, we have to understand redemption and righteousness. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul said this. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Everybody say, it's the power of God. He said, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everybody say, believes. believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God. And now the understanding of the righteousness of God is incredibly important to us because if we don't understand the righteousness of God, we are going to live in a sin consciousness. A sin consciousness. One minister said it like this, that almost every spiritual failure comes to a person because of sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. When we begin to understand where sin consciousness comes from, every single one of us at one time or another lived under sin consciousness. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 it says this, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others." said, listen, we were children of wrath. We had a sin consciousness. We were born into sin. Before we were born again and accepted Jesus Christ, our soul was overwhelmed with a consciousness that we are not worthy of a depth of relationship with God that he designed us to have. There's a consciousness that overwhelms people, and from that sin consciousness, we have insecurity. From that sin consciousness, fear arises. From that fear consciousness, that inadequacy, and then pride arises. From that sin consciousness, the competition of I'm not as bad as someone else begins to stir. That pride, that arrogance that says, well, God, I may not be perfect, but at least I'm not as bad as someone else. Anybody ever had that thought cross your mind? <laughs> Some of you are holier, I guess. Come on, almost everybody has that when they're, when they're challenged and all of a sudden the enemy attacks them with sin and they know I'm in a place that I'm struggling with and I know I'm struggling and, and somebody confronts them and they get nervous and they say, well, I know I'm not perfect, but at least. And when our righteousness in Christ Jesus is reduced down to just not being as bad as someone else, we are dealing with a sin consciousness that will cause us to fall far short of what God has ordained for us to walk in. But righteousness consciousness will cause us to arise and begin to walk in the fullness of what God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. And I believe right now in this time, in this age, that we, the church, need to really come into a righteousness consciousness. Not a place where we just feel like we're all right, but we know that we've been made right with God. That the most important thing in our life is our relationship with God and our relationship to him. Not just enough to have mental assent that I know the blood of Jesus was shed for me. I know I'm forgiven, and I know that I will go to heaven. 
See, sin consciousness will lower or dumb us down spiritually to the point of everything according to redemption will be put off till after we die. We know there will be victory in heaven. We know there will be health in heaven. We know that we'll have a relationship with God in heaven. But if it all gets to heaven, then it really wasn't redemption for right here, right now on earth. And he wants us to know that he redeemed our life and paid the price so the power of sin would be broken. And not just the power of sin, but the consciousness of sin. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And I know this may, for some of you, be somewhat redundant. But it's very important for us to understand and to know what he's done for us. And to know that if we're not careful or we don't understand that that sin consciousness gets lodged in our soul. It's there. That's why we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our soul. Save our soul from what? Save our soul from a sin consciousness, an unworthy feeling that even, uh, you know, again, if you were here when Pastor Craig was here, of all the people we talked about, that strong spirit of a man, that all of a sudden something happens and down somewhere on the inside of him, uh, he's, he's confronting Jesus thinking, what did I do wrong to be in this position? It's like a default down in your soul somewhere that if something doesn't go just right, I must have done something wrong. But a righteousness consciousness won't allow us to go to that place of saying, well, this has happened, so I must have done something wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't negate. We can open the door to things by disobeying God and, and by sinning, but it's not that nature that we must be in a bad position that something that we've done in the past has opened the door for this. And we have to keep going back and going through that list of things every time something bad happens to us. But we can know once and for all that we've been redeemed. And knowing and having righteousness consciousness brings us to the place that, you know what, those things that we had continually done or defaulted to or or because of shame and condemnation, we just go like, who cares? You know, sometimes you just feel like, well, I was really living down that road and I messed up. And so if I messed up and I sinned and it's all out the window, who cares? I might as well just keep messing up. Well, that's just the devil. When we understand that what the blood has done to make us righteous, we don't want to keep sinning. We truly, by the power of the blood and the power of the Holy Spirit, want to uh, apply the blood and apply the power of God to break any yoke of bondage. We want to understand that the power of redemption, that our body is not our own to do whatever we want to with it, that we are bought at the price of the precious blood of Jesus, and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on. And what a wonderful thing is it becomes our consciousness, not just a church thing, But every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this earth tent is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God in my spirit. And the recognition and the understanding that I'm so right with God that I have such an intimate relationship, more intimate than any relationship could ever be, that he is in me and I am in him. And I walk with him every day, and so I don't want to. My want to changes. I can do anything I want to, but in relationship with him, my want to changes. I don't want to give myself over to immorality. I don't want to give myself over to worry and to stress. I want to give myself over to him. And it's a battle. It's not something that we we conquer just, you know, by thinking about it. It's something that goes on 
The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They are continually battling and contrary to one another. But if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we're more spirit conscious, righteousness conscious, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9 says, But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, one time for everybody, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? more. Come on, I love that when the writer says, how much more? Sometimes we're just scratching to get back to status quo. We're scratching to get back, but when God does something, how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He said, listen, as long as our consciousness remains on sin and dead works, it'll be difficult to fully, wholeheartedly serve the living God. But when we realize that the blood of Jesus cleansed us from a sin consciousness, cleansed our conscience from dead works and we believe that and we lay hold of that we begin with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our strength to move in serving the living God not serving ourselves, not serving our flesh but serving him and you know that little thing in the back of your mind says now wait a minute what about me this sounds terribly fanatical I'm going to serve him I'm not going to what about me But see, when you understand that he's made you righteous, you know he's already taken care of everything about you. That through the knowledge of him and righteousness, he has provided everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. He's already taken care of it. He already took care of it. I can't explain this very good, and I won't won't try too much, but it was very impacting. We were uh, in, a, in a conference. Neuroscientist was telling us, and he said, you know, the, the human heart is stuck on this place. It, it always wonders, uh, does God love me? And he just said, you know what? God proved he loves you because your whole existence God created in two stem cells. The egg and the sperm came together before you were ever born. And begin to work that would create everything that you need in life. And that very thing coming together. He already saw you down the road before you were ever formed. And he put that together to create you because he loves you. We're like, if this is happening, does God love me? God expressed his love to you before you were ever born. In creating you, he expressed his love for you. In sending Jesus to the cross before you were ever born, before I was ever born, God expressed his love for us. And if God sent Jesus to die for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, what makes us think that now he doesn't love us as much? If he gave Jesus to die for us, how would he not with him freely give us all things? Come on, we need to get our consciousness on that. We need to renew our minds to that daily. We need to declare part of your confession, if it's not, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I give myself, I lend myself over as an instrument of righteousness to God because my choices aren't vast. I either lend myself over or give myself over as an instrument of righteousness to God or I give myself over to sin and unrighteousness. There's not a lot of gray areas. 
But when we give ourselves over to that, what one means is means unrighteousness. It means that we, what we give ourselves over to is apart from God. It's not enveloped in that relationship with God. It is outside of what God has. We go back to the very beginning of creation when God says, here is everything that I have created you. We're going to work in partnership, and you're going to guard, and you're going to tend, and you're going to keep it. And there's one thing that is outside of the sphere of what I've created you to do and to be. And it's called that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the moment they went and determined, I can eat of this if I want to, they lended themselves over to unrighteousness. They lended themselves over to something that was outside of their relationship with God. He told them, I've given you life. Everything within me teems with life, but that is outside of me. And the moment you partake of what is outside of me, you will partake of death, a broken relationship with me. You partake of unrighteousness. Praise the Lord. And that's what the enemy tries to continue in our mind and in our thinking to make us think we're unworthy. We, we can't have it. We're unrighteous. But we don't give ourselves to things apart from our relationship with God. And understanding the new covenant is so powerful to understand that Jesus said, you know what, if you do something unrighteous, all you have to do is confess it, and I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and we're right back to living right with one another. We don't have to keep going down that road. It doesn't have to continue to affect us because you'll never be more righteous than you are the day you got born again. You might be able to, I might be able to grow in love, grow in joy, grow in peace, grow in faith, grow in those things, but we'll never be more right. We'll never be in a, a greater right standing with God than the day we got born again. Praise the Lord. Come on. I mean, I can hear mine spinning right now. Hmm. See, it's that, that sin consciousness that gets in your soul that starts to think, well, no, no. No, you're a child of God. When you were born of God, you became born of God. You can grow. You can increase in areas of that. But once you're born of God, you're born of God. You know, there's things that your children can do that will affect the relationship, but it doesn't affect who they are. They're your kids. Come on. If you're born again, you're a child of God. He made you right. He made you a son and a daughter. But as we begin to grow in the knowledge of that and understand that we're not somewhere else, we're not uh, born of something else, we're born of God. We don't have to live in that sin consciousness anymore. Turn over to Romans chapter 3. I believe as we increase in these things, it's going to be essential to understanding our understanding, not allowing it to fall into the realm of, I know that, but something that we meditate on, something that we apply daily, something that we really practice when things begin to rise up when the enemy begins to plant thoughts and desires in, in our thinking that we're able to stand up and, and, and deal with that thought life. We're, we're able to deal with the, 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 the feelings that come, the desires that try to pull us because we understand that, listen, I'm not dealing with that anymore. I am right with God. And that's the most important thing to me in the world. And that we can break free and understand that we can enjoy life to the full and serve God. That serving God is not boring, it's not a drag, and that we miss out on all the fun. We live full of life, but we don't get trapped in things that bring guilt and shame, that they're good for a season, but then they bind us and bring guilt and shame upon our life. Romans chapter 3 Starting verse 21, it says, Now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Now, come on, he says this about three times right in this little portion of scripture on all who believe, on all who believe. The moment that you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you truly believed and made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it was accounted to you for righteousness. Turn over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 In Genesis chapter 12, God came to Abram, and he promised Abraham that he would bless him more than all the nations of the world. He talked about all of his blessing, and then you start going from 12 to 13 to 14, and Abraham starts on a journey out of his country and begins on a journey into the land that God's called him to, and all kinds of things happen that we won't go into, but all of these things have happened. He's come before uh, the king of Egypt and, and said that his wife was not his wife. He's come, uh, brought a tithe to Melchizedek. All things are happening, uh, and then it says, after these things, all these things between between 12 and 15 after all of these things. So in other words, he's got this promise from God and he's working, he's walking through it to obey it and all these things are happening. And after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding, exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer, of Damascus. Now, if you look at all the things that he's gone through, you know, he got afraid and he's like, oh, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Thank God. God had a plan. And so, you know, king of Egypt is like, man, she's a good looking gal and I'm the king. I, I could probably have whatever gal I wanted. So he goes to bed one night and God just says, don't you touch her. She is not his sister. She is his wife. God can deal with some folks at night. <laughs> so the king of Egypt goes to Abram and says, what are you doing? You trying to get me destroyed by your God or what? She's not your sister. She's your wife. What's wrong with you? Well, I was afraid. Right? So he goes through that. He goes through all these things. And so he's got all this. And so God says, listen, don't be worried. Don't be afraid of all these things that are happening. I'm your exceedingly great shield and reward. And to me, I don't know about you, but Abram, like, Totally disregards that. He's like, so what are you going to give me? <laughs> he said, listen, you made me this promise. I've come out. I've dealt with all this stuff, but I still don't understand how I'm going to be a nation if I don't even have a child. Right? This is the promise of God is still at the forefront of his thinking. You promised if I would get up and leave my family and come out of my land that I would be uh, nations would come from me, and you promised, but I still have a problem, right? All right, you're my shield and my reward, but I have a problem. I don't know how this is going to happen because I don't have any kids. Sometimes we just have to be bold enough. I don't believe he was one bit disrespectful. He was saying, God, you promised me something, and I'm not sure how this is going to work. And so God just addresses him. God talks to him. This is the thing about that relationship. God talks to me. He says, then Abraham, uh, Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house, uh, the one in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That moment he looked up and he said, you can do this. God said, and that puts us in right relationship. God says, I can do everything I need to do if you'll believe me. We come under the new covenant. God says, I can do anything with you, for you, 
through you, empower you, wash you, cleanse you, sanctify you, anoint you. I can give you wisdom beyond your years. I can do whatever. I can fulfill whatever I promise in your life. We can do amazing things if you'll believe me. And the moment you said, I believe you, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead that I might be made right with you, reconciled to you. I believe that it's accounted for righteousness. You became righteous. And he came to live on the inside of you. And he said, you're born again. You're now born not of the sin of Adam. You're not an offspring of Adam's disobedience. But you are now born of the righteousness that was produced through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have been justified. Come on, the understanding of that. Righteousness will throw your faith into a whole different level. That understanding of who you are in Christ and that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that you're a son and a daughter of God, will put you in a position to be led by the Spirit of God in circumstances that otherwise you wouldn't be. You come into a place of of feeling and emotion and temptation, but when you know that you're the righteousness of God, you're a son and a daughter of the Almighty God, that you're led by the Spirit of God, you'll avoid situations that otherwise you'd not be able to, that when sin consciousness kicks in, the enemy starts to pull on you a direction that'll lead you down a path you don't want to be in. But when you know this is not who I am anymore, I'm a son and a daughter of God, the voice of the Spirit, the leading, the perception of the Spirit comes clear. Come on. It's just that simple. Because God's going to lead you into doing exploits. Come on, it may seem just like little things, but God's going to lead you to do things. He's going to lead you to do some little things, like buy a salami. (laughs) But he's going to position you. Come on, she may have had a, a, a salami to give him at that time, and, and would take them to wherever they were going back east and, and feed them. But listen, to be obedient, to pick up that salami, to be able to deliver it. But God says, listen, if I can get you to leave that behind, I have some stuff that I have for you to pick up and to carry. But sin consciousness will say, God, I can't do that. I'm not worthy. I don't think you know what I've done. And all of a sudden, your soul kicks in and you start to contend with God about what you've done or not done, or you'll jump up and say, okay, I'll, I'll do that, and you'll run off without God. But when you know who you are, and that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and I have a righteousness consciousness of that relationship, I'm in right relationship, I'm at peace with God. Come on, that gentleman that we picked up we ministered to in the park that day and we picked him up and uh you know uh, tasha was a, a lot easier going and flowing with that you know we got up and i'm walking and god's just saying go talk to that guy over there i'm looking at him he's all dressed in black he's got tattoos he's got a big sack sitting next to him a paper bag and you know we had just been i mean we'd been ministering to different people and uh, just telling god we'll go where you want us to go we'll do what you want us to do except tonight I know you've never been there, but I have. I mean, we just got done playing, with, playing basketball. I didn't know God was speaking to her. I'm just looking over there, and God's going, you need to go uh, talk to him. And I'm like, yeah. Um. And I get in the car, and I start driving. And she's like, we're supposed to talk to that guy, aren't we? And I'm like, oh, okay. Drive up around the block. The guy's sitting on a, on a picnic table. He's watching us. We go to the end of the street. We come back. And then, you know, I walk up to him. He's sitting there. And all the while, you know, I'm just a man of faith and power, uh, like you are. <laughs> I'm thinking, this guy is probably going to punch me in the face. So, you know, I just walk up to him, and I'm like, um, mind if I talk to you? Uh, I'm just here to tell you, uh, God loves you. And that's when he went, 
Wow. He's like, I just told God today, if you're real, you need to send somebody to tell me. And then, you know, I kind of threw my shoulders back. <laughs> I'm the one God sent. I know you'd never do that, but there's just something. You know, I didn't stand up like that. But on the inside, all of a sudden, when you figure out, oh, yeah, you, okay, Spirit of God, you were right. You're with me. He's not going to punch me in the face. Now, all of a sudden, you get a little bit of boldness, you know. But he picked up his sack of brews, and we went over to our apartment. But while we're talking to him, he just struggled with everything that he had done. He'd been at Vietnam. He'd done some stuff. He just kept asking this question, how in the world could God love me? How in the world could God love me? I mean, we spent probably, I don't know, two hours just telling him how much God loved him. And we'd bring out a scripture and say, if God would do it for them, he'll do it for you. Yeah, but he'd lay out another thing, right? When your consciousness is sin conscious, it's not just sin conscious, it has specifics. So when you say God loves you and he forgives you, you say, what about this sin? Well, God forgave you. Yeah, well, what about that sin? God forget. See, your sin consciousness will level them in orders of badness. Because the devil will say, well, maybe he could forgive you of that, but he can't forgive you of that. Maybe he could forgive you of that, but that is so bad, he couldn't forgive you of that. But see, when we got that working in our thinking, we can even be born again. And the devil's trying to push that down so that when God says, I'm ready to use you in an extraordinary way, You're like, God, I don't know if you can use me. And God's thinking, why can't I use you? And we'll give him the reason that he can't use us. And I'm sure if he has a head, he's scratching it. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I took that and threw that as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. What I remember is that you accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, and you applied it to your heart, and you became my son and my daughter. And if you'll go ahead and live in that relationship with me, that relationship will grow and that relationship will flourish. And as that relationship grows and flourishes, you're understanding that that relationship isn't just walking with me, but it's walking me in you and you in me. And there's something even more extraordinary about that because when we become righteousness conscious, that there's a transformation that begins to take place that not only is he in us, but we're becoming like him. It is such an enveloping righteousness that it doesn't leave us like ourselves anymore. It begins to create in us the very image of him who created us. Come on. And so once that starts to develop, once that transformation starts to take place, once that first degree of glory starts to kick in and the next degree of glory... There's not a pride that takes place and goes, I'm here, God. I'm perfect, ready to use me. There's always a humility to say, I could never do this by myself. But because I'm with you and you're with me, that because of your grace and your mighty power empowering me, there's not anything that I can't do. Do you understand? If you have a sin consciousness, it'll always be thwarted at that place because you'll either get in pride and say, let me at it. Let me do it. And in, the, in your thinking, when I do it, people are going to think something of me. Or if I can't do it, people are going to think something of me. But when we get to the point of saying, man, he's, I'm just, it's teeming on the inside. I'm becoming more like him. The revelation of the works that he did, these works and greater works than these shall we do also, begin, begins to stir on the inside of us, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. I know that's cliche but it's really the understanding of righteousness is that we're being changed. We're not the same old person with a little bit of righteous actions and sprinkles. We are becoming the righteousness of God. We are, we are made to be like him. We're created to be like him. And so we walk out and we understand that there's a boldness that comes with that. Come on, listen, there's a place. Turn over to Mark chapter 16. Praise the Lord. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Mark chapter 16. 
verse 15. Now remember, he said righteousness comes to all who believe. Change takes place. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. When you don't believe, God doesn't go, well, I'm condemning you. We read this last time we were together on Sunday night. Romans chapter 5 lines it out. Sin brings condemnation. You're under condemnation until you believe in Jesus. But when you believe in Jesus, you come out from under the condemnation and the judgment of sin, and you come into righteousness. Now listen what happens for those who believe. Once you become righteous, these signs follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. He's saying, listen, the moment you believe, it's accounted to you for righteousness' sake. And once righteousness kicks in, there's a change. There's things that are happening. You are a, a force against the enemy and his strategies. And we lose the feeling of condemnation, and we have the sense that wherever we go, he goes with us. We have a covenant knowledge of that righteous relationship, that wherever I go, he goes with me, that he'll never leave me, and he will never forsake me, that he will be with me wherever I go. Man, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that he's been with me wherever I go. I shouldn't have taken him some of the places that I went, but there was a few places that I went that he was right there. After you were a Christian, anybody ever backslide after you were a Christian? Probably shouldn't ask you that, but again, sin consciousness. I remember I was backslidden one time. I was out with some friends. We were sitting up on Mount Lemon uh, overlooking Tucson, Arizona. Um. And all of a sudden, a question about God came up. And right there, doing things that we ought not to have been doing, I ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ to my friend. Right? Totally weird, dumb setting. But it was amazing how all that got set aside, and the Spirit of God was there. It's not a call of God to minister that way, I'm just telling you. I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been doing what we were doing, but he goes with us wherever we go. And when he needed to show up, he showed up because he was with me. Thank God he was with me. I know some of you had that happen while you were smoking in the bathroom at high school and then you witnessed to somebody, right? You were somewhere after you got saved working through righteousness consciousness, and you witness to somebody in a weird situation, why? He's with you wherever you go. Again, I'm not saying this. I'm not re recommending this as a ministry practice. What I'm trying to tell you is he doesn't jump off. He promised, I'll be with you wherever you go. He loves us. All right, I'm just going to end today with this. Turn over to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10. I only got through a couple of my notes, but we have another Sunday night, so praise the Lord. All right, listen to this. This is just in Proverbs chapter 10. I want to read this and just understand. You can go through Proverbs. You can look this up. It'll be fun. Because you are the righteous. Listen to this. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The labor, this is verse 16, the labor of the righteous leads to life. But the wages of the wicked is sin. I mean, you're righteous. Come on. Then he says that your mouth is filled with life. Your labors lead to life. Verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. 
but the heart of the wicked is worth little. 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but the fools die for lack of wisdom. Verse 24, the fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desires of the righteous will be granted. Verse 25, when the whirlwind passes by the wicked, by the, by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Verse 28, the hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Verse 30, the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. Again, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. Verse 32, you remember a few weeks ago we talked about our words. Verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. That's just in chapter 10. Turn over to chapter 24, verse 16. It says, for the righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up again. Come on. The righteous, it doesn't say he'll never fall down, but righteous people get back up again. Chapter 24. We got it? We just got a couple more scriptures. I'm just giving you something that you can, you can just put in your daily study. You can just put it in your concordance and just rock through Proverbs a little bit. Find some scriptures to put up on your mirror for your daily confession. 28 verse 1, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. Verse 12, It says, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. When the righteous rejoice, there's great glory. Come on. There can be great glory in the church when the righteous rejoice. There can be great glory in your house when the righteous rejoice. There can be great glory in the place that you work when you rejoice. When you understand that you are the righteous, you have a reason to rejoice. And when you begin to rejoice, there is great glory. In fact, the joy of the Lord is joy unspeakable and full of glory. All right, I'm going to end with this. E.W. Kenyon said this, he said, speaking of righteousness, he said, there is no other word in the Bible or in theology which is less understood and appreciated than this word righteousness, yet enwrapped within it is everything for which humanity has craved. Righteousness restores to man all that he lost in the fall, plus a new relationship as a son with all its privileges. Come on. It's time to not misunderstand it, but to realize that it's righteousness that every human heart craves. And then in righteousness, we become sons and daughters, and we get all the privileges of sons and daughters. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. For it's not of our doing, of our works, so we can't boast, but we can boast in you. It's by the blood of Jesus that you redeemed us. You purchased our life back from the slavery of sin. You made us righteous, called us sons and daughters. You broke the enmity that was between us and put us at peace with yourself. 
Holy Spirit, minister to each and every one of us, to each and every heart, each and every life. I pray right now for those that have been under the weight of condemnation, those that have been under the weight of guilt and shame, those that have been under the darkness, the oppression of sin consciousness. I ask you by your anointing to break that oppression in a way that only you can break it. And begin to bring light to that heart. Set them free from the consciousness of sin. Set them free from that so that they might serve the living God. Let them know it wasn't by temporal things or the blood of bulls and goats, calves, heifers, but by the precious blood of Jesus that they were redeemed. Set them free tonight. That though the enemy will come against their mind, the desires of their flesh may begin to pull hard throughout the week. That you, Holy Spirit, would minister to them that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. They are no longer that old man they used to be, governed by those desires and those dictates, but they've been set free. And now they live as a son and a daughter. Reveal that to them. Give them the anointing to walk in that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus. Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.